The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning he arrived again in the temple area, and all the people started coming to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and made her stand in the middle. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They said this to test him so that they could have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. But when they continued asking him, he straightened up and said to them, let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. And in response, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. So he was left alone with the woman before him. Then Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She replied, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. The Gospel of the Lord. John's Gospel today is clearly about the mercy of Jesus Christ. And we hear of this within the context of a woman accused of adultery being brought to Jesus. The scribes and the Pharisees wanted his view on what the Mosaic law commanded in such an instance, which was that the woman should be stoned. But they were trying to trick Jesus. So when the woman is presented to Jesus and the question is posed to him, Jesus kneels down looks to be writing something on the ground and says nothing. It's like Jesus is trying to tell them through his silence, think about what you just said. But they continued asking him about the situation, and then Jesus straightened up and said to them, let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he bent down and started writing on the ground again. Sacred scripture tells us nothing of what Jesus wrote here, not a word of it. This isn't really unusual in any way, because in the entire New Testament, there is not one recorded instance of Jesus writing something down, something for others to read. We have the spoken words of Jesus throughout the New Testament. By one count, a total of 41,071 words. I'm sure that number varies with the translation chosen as well as other factors, like it being on the internet, but it might be in the ballpark. We also have the accounts of the apostles as to many of the things Jesus told them, but nothing written by Jesus himself. So when Jesus bends down and it appears that he's writing something on the ground, we take notice and we wonder. There are numerous speculative writings about the fact of Jesus bending down and ostensibly writing something on the ground. Some have suggested that Jesus was writing down the sins of those waiting to stone the woman. Or maybe Jesus was writing down the names of the men who had been with the woman at one time 
perhaps even some of them standing there. Or maybe Jesus was simply doodling in the dirt on the ground while ignoring the woman's accusers, thereby letting them know that what they considered significant enough to stone the woman was considered otherwise by Christ, and that what was in their hearts was known by him. When Jesus does finally respond to them, what he says is so clear, so disarming, so telling in each of their lives. This situation was not going to be so much about the woman caught in adultery, but rather the sins of those who would stand to accuse her while ignoring their own transgressions. So we hear, let the one who is among you without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Then Jesus bends down that second time and again appears to be writing something on the ground. What would we give to know what Jesus was writing? Or how about even wanting to know what he was thinking? Well, there we have more of a shot at it. We kind of know what Jesus was thinking from his words. He told them, if you are without sin yourself, then go ahead and throw the first stone. The odds of anyone in that group of men being sinless would have been the same as it would be for any group of individuals today. None of us is without sin. And the woman, Jesus forgave her sins and told her to go and sin no more. Mercy and forgiveness. Jesus is forever the example for us, showing us what we must do if we're to follow him, how we ought to, ought to act. Perhaps first, however, we need to understand that mercy is not a one-way street. It's not a matter that we must always be the recipient of mercy without reference to anyone else. In showing mercy to others, we make ourselves vulnerable to receiving mercy, not only from others, but from our Lord Jesus Christ, the fount of all mercy. And in showing mercy to others, we make real what Pope Francis said almost exactly three years ago in his first Angelus address, that a little mercy makes the world less cold. And little by little, the warmth that is God's love and mercy makes life more tolerable and manageable for us and for others. But too often, it seems, the events of life appear to dictate what we will encounter throughout our day and our week, even maybe throughout our lives in general. And the sad truth is that many of those events don't always inspire a sense of mercy in us. However, those events do not need to and should not dictate what our response to things will or should ever be. Instead of being quick to judge others, let us look into our own hearts and see what maybe has gone wrong there. Be honest with ourselves and correct our sinfulness by laying it in front of Christ, he who, he who calls all sinners to himself through the beautiful sacrament of reconciliation that he gave us. 
and as for the fault that we want to bring to attention in others, let us bring them our mercy in Christ instead. Let us show them mercy in what we say and what we do, consoled in the grace and love of our God. Our Lenten season is almost over at this point, and even if our Lent this year has been less than what we had hoped for, it is still not too late. It's never too late with God. A focus on God's mercy, a recognition of our sinfulness, our ready recourse to God's acceptance of our repentance in the sacrament of reconciliation, these are things that do not have less significance after Lent and do not go away with the coming of Easter. If anything, they should take deeper root in our lives and be more meaningful to us as we continue seeking God's mercy in our lives. It begins first in our hearts and then in the reconciliation room with the priest who is there in persona Christi, in the person of Christ. And with that strength and grace we receive, we can then say in the midst of whatever com uh, confronts us or grieves us, as Jeremiah does elsewhere in Scripture, we can say, but the Lord is with me. But the Lord is with me. And so I can handle whatever comes through the mercy of God. I can handle it and I'm not doing it alone. In that same sense, in the second reading, St. Paul tells us that I have indeed been taken possession of by Christ Jesus. What a beautiful thing to say. He says just one thing, forgetting what lies behind, but straining forward to what lies ahead. I continue my pursuit toward the goal the prize of God's upward calling in Christ Jesus. In God's love and mercy, each of us can do the same. And then what is important is how we reflect God's mercy to others to help them in their pursuit of that same goal. Let us all work for a little climate change in our lives, a moral climate change, remembering that a little mercy makes the world less cold.